Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Be the Gospel with Anthony Chigerina. We're going to be discussing lies. We have all prayed part two. Welcome to the program, Anthony. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. And I hope that last last time uh, it really began to open people's eyes, um, open people's hearts to a number of things. Um, that God's just been, he's been nailing me on, he's been dealing with me with, and really exposing the simplicity of his truth. And there's so much that I want to share with you, um, but I, I want to start with, as God was revealing this to me, he asked me, or he made a simple statement. It wasn't really a question. It was a statement. And he said, Anthony, if my people truly believe me, nothing would be impossible for them. And it struck me. uh, It left me dumbfounded. And I didn't know how to answer him, Dorothy. I just just kind of sat in silence. That includes myself, you know. (laughs) And certain areas of my life that God's really been highlighting and saying, Hey, look, you really need to trust me in these areas. Um, it's, it's easy to dismiss because we, we, we compartmentalize everything. Well, that's, that's my ministry life. And ministry life's amazing. It's great. Right. But what about, you know, your home life? What about your relationships? What about all these other things? That, that come together And God doesn't see compartments He sees everything together And He was just Sharing with me Will, will you believe me That moment I, I couldn't help but break down and say God like Teach me how to break the mold And I will I'll be that example for other people And in some ways We've seen that we, we, We've seen where you know, 100% of the people we lay hands on or we prayed for or, or declared healing over instantly healed. And we've seen it over 18 times now. And um, so that's definitely a breaking of the mold considering, you know, the statistics is about 10% of people who normally pray for others um, see any result at all. God is... I really feel saying you're just challenging me, challenging the body of Christ to begin trusting him, believing him in all areas of your walk, not just, you know, parts where you consider religious or you consider spiritual um, because you are a spiritual being now. If you're born into Christ Jesus, you're born of the spirit, you're a spiritual being. And so there's no trying to obtain to be spiritual. No, that that's a false teaching. That's a lie. Um, but it's just kind of diving in and not settling for the lie anymore. And something that God's just reiterated again, even this past week, says this is the season for the body of Christ to thrive, not just survive. And the problem is, is we've been going so long just trying to survive 
because we believed the lie about God. We believed the lie from the beginning that God was withholding something from us when he's withheld nothing from us. And as we, you know, as myself, uh, diving into a lot of these things and exposing them for what they are, it, it really brings you face to face with God and there's no more excuses. And like I was talking with God today about about that. And I hope you don't mind me being so vulnerable. But it's like God, the the fear of, of failure comes to light, it becomes evident. And there's some areas where I've I've felt I've felt horribly. And and God says, you have to give me your failure so that I can give you my, my victory. Well, how do you do that? And he says, it's simple. Trust me. Don't, don't lean on your own understanding. But acknowledge me. Trust me. Walk with me. And that means something different for everyone. If you're looking for a checklist, <laughs> there, there's, one doesn't exist. But as I've really started diving into this and in, in the lie that God is holding something back from you, that you're not complete, uh, but the truth is that you are complete in Christ Jesus, and he has more for you than you've ever experienced because you didn't know it was there. And it's, it's interesting because I was listening to... Uh, E.W. Kenyon's uh, Christ the Healer this morning and he gives an analogy that that is fitting. He says it's like I write you a check for $1,000 and I go and I deposit it straight into your bank account. You don't have to look like if you trusted me that I did that. You don't have to look in your bank account to see that the $1,000 is there. You begin swiping your debit card. And so this is the same thing with God. God's given us his benefits. It says, forget not all his benefits. And so he's given us these great and precious promises of healing, of provision, of solidarity, of unity, of love, of justice, of righteousness of holiness, of sanctification, of redemption, all of these different things. And I can easily make a list, you know, and I, I plan on doing that in the near future just so people can begin to see all the benefits that God has given us through Jesus Christ. And it's important that we know these benefits because if we don't stand with God, we don't stand in, in, in reliance upon him, then where do we stand? You know, find that it's a scary, a scary question to even ask. It's, it's even scarier when you begin to realize that A lot of people's answers are are not with God. You know, even people that claim that, well, I I'm my own God, or they're atheist, or 
agnostic or, or whatever they believe. Um, even even people who claim to believe in Jesus but don't live like it at all. Um, I guess you can consider them carnal by every definition within Scripture. And we've all been there at some point. We we've all have have had different situations in our lives where we believed the lie, where we felt we found that false security is more comforting than real security. Because the false security we can see, we can we can target destination, we can make short term goals and long term goals to achieve it while trusting God whom you don't see and you have his word that the devil is constantly challenging through things you you you, you sense and you feel it, it really brings people it's brought myself to the point where that I'd be honest and say God I didn't trust you in this area. I I I I wasn't completely, you know, honest with myself. I wasn't completely honest with um with you with God. Obviously, it's basically realizing that that God he he already knows everything. He sees. The scripture says that he sees us as if we're naked. We're naked before him. He sees everything. He sees through our bodies. He sees straight into our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He, there's, there's so much that he sees. And the only ones that we, we tend to fool our the only ones we tend to we tend to fool, and that is ourselves. We think that we can hide stuff from God, that we can lie to God. And we we fail to learn from the mistakes of Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3. Right? We shift the blame. Well, God is the woman you gave me. Oh, it was a serpent. He, he beguiled me. He, he deceived me. And we do that by making excuses before God. And the sad thing is, is a lot of excuses that the church has today is blaming God. When he's not the one who did it, he's not he's not the 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 reason for the issues in the first place. You know, I, I've I've seen this a lot, and I know Dorothy, we, we talked about it in the past a little bit, but a victim mentality. Because a victim mentality is always they're always in everything. It's it's very selfish. It's well. I'm the one being wrong. I'm the one being, you know, mistreated, and and I'm being judged, and I'm, you know, whether it's race, whether it's politics, whatever. What, it doesn't matter what it is. And you can really see that in people. And today, what the church has created is a lot of that. And and this is very saddening to me because you understand. That God wants us to walk in complete unity with him. Not holding anything back. True relationship. Complete. 
pure, unadulterated, uncontaminated relationship with him. And he, he's given that to us through Jesus Christ. And and this is what's definitely become the most evident to me is how much God has for us, how much love he has for us and patience and, and, and so many things that he, he truly is our biggest cheerleader, you know. Um, I'm, I'm doing my best not to cry, Dorothy, so <laughs> bear with me. Um, but you begin to realize that he's there. And he's, even though you're believing the lie, and the lie is about him. It's about his it, – it, the lie goes against his nature and his character. You know, it's it's tough. Because he loves us through it all. He 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 understands where we're at. He understands how we've become a prison unto ourselves because of choices and decisions and things we believed that go against his word. And God, through Christ, is reconciling us back to him. He's he's reconciled past tense or he's reconciling people back to him. And it's it's really got me to evaluate my relationship with God. And as you know, you take stock, you you do inventory on your relationship or any relationship. Uh, for myself, or, or with God, I just begin to realize how amazing he is in every area. And, you know, you can say that very generically. You can say, oh, yes, he's, he's amazing. And, um, he's he's always been amazing. Yes, he, he has, and, it's, and that's true. But what I'm referring to is... Is that when it gets to the personal level and the the failures and the mistakes and the things of the past that he can easily hold over your head and and be very harsh and condemning towards he isn't because his goal is to get you out of that. And it's his goodness that leads people to repentance. That's what scripture says. It doesn't say the condemning leads people to repentance. It says his goodness leads people to repentance. And it just made me kind of go back and reevaluate many things um, that I've, I've once believed about God and things that we would consider impossible and and just dreams that he's given me, visions he's given me, all that seem impossible for someone who doesn't truly believe. 
you know, in John chapter 6, it says, how do we work the works of God? And Jesus says, believe in the one whom he has sent. See, you begin to see how simple God has made everything. Because to truly believe, the root word in Greek comes from the word trust or the word faith. Just this, right? So all faith means is trust. And so the word for believe is is based on the root word, which is trust. So if you truly believe something, you trust in it. So if you trust in Jesus Christ, if you truly wholeheartedly trust in him, there's nothing impossible for you. There's, there's lack disappears because you're made whole. You're, you're in him. There is no lack. He brings you into the kingdom of God, into his kingdom. So this brings up so many other topics. It brings up so many other um, lies that we've believed. You know, I can tell you, being in ministry, one of one of the biggest lies that, that hits us ministers is God only blesses you when you're out ministering. Right? Because you're doing his work. But yet we can see that in Adam and Eve before the fall, they were even blessed on the day of rest. So it's it's not just as we're out ministering and as we go about we're supposed to be blessed every area of our lives. And so there's, I'm telling you, as I'm going through this, I'm not excluding myself. There's there's a lot here that God's really been exposing so he can chip away. He's not doing it to condemn anyone. Please understand, it's not for condemnation, condemnation purposes. It's to say, look. This is what you're supposed to look like. You're supposed to look like Jesus Christ who completely and, and com- ultimately believed me, trusted in me. And we're going to get to that tonight. But I want to kind of go back over some of the things we covered, which was the main lie, right, out of Genesis 3, which is that God is is a bad God and that he's holding back from you and that you're not complete in Christ Jesus when you are. And then we also talked about some lies about you know wanting to be more like Jesus or closer to Jesus and how is that even possible because he's made you one with himself. And I gave you a lot of different scriptures, so Galatians two twenty, Colossians one twenty seven, also three uh, chapter three verse four, first Corinthians one twenty. First uh, Corinthians six seventeen, which is he was joined to the Lord as one spirit with him. Second uh, Corinthians thirteen five, John one sixteen. There's there's so many of these things, the verses, his word, not things, his his word that says he's made us one with himself. Not only that, but we can't even hunger and thirst for him, which is another lie, right? Because uh, John six thirty five and fifty eight. Revelation seven fifteen, they all say the same thing that he satisfies. And it's not satisfied to where you hunger and thirst more, because that's thinking from a carnal mindset. But when God gives you something, when he he brings substance, it's done once and for all. That should be ringing some bells for you because 
you can think of I immediately I thought of Hebrews that by his one sacrifice forever there's no more need for of a blood or the blood of uh, bulls and goats as it's mentioned in Hebrews and so yeah I'm trying not to get off topic here so you know we also you know talk about quickening the word to me we'd have to break down logos and rhema and there's a whole false doctrine on on that that i'm going to be exposing on um uh, facebook live um teaching where showing that they're used interchangeably and one means a word the other one means a declaration so it's it's silly that we've been splitting hairs and and doing all these things, creating all these excuses and false doctrines. Get more complex, make it harder to get to know God. And God's has done everything possible to make it easy to walk in relationship with him. You have a perfect relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Jesus has a perfect relationship with God. And I have like six or seven different verses I can take you to where he's the only one who truly knew, knew God. And he declares that in throughout the Gospels. For instance, um, no one knows the Father except for him that came down from heaven. And nobody has descended into heaven except for the, the Son of Man who's come down from heaven. He knows him. Right? And so he's he's explaining his origins. He's explaining where he's where he's come from and that he actually knows God. And the word knows there can also be translated to see. So it's not an intellectual knowing, it's an intimate knowing. A lot of these lies, and you know, you name something. Uh, there, there's so many lies. Honestly, I was trying to focus on the main ones. So, for instance, this lie—this is a lie. I, I know it, therefore I believe it. And I hear a lot of people saying that. Well, I read it in the scripture. I know that God's word says that, and I believe it. And with the, without understanding. They they truly don't understand what they're saying. So if we go to Matthew, start looking at some verses here. Matthew thirteen nineteen. It says, "When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path." So we have the parable of the sower, and Jesus is explaining the parable to his disciples. And he comes out and he says, anyone who hears the word of the kingdom, the king's domain, God's word, and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away from their heart. The seed that was sown is snatched away from their heart. So just because you read something, just because you memorize something, doesn't mean you understand it. And that's hard to swallow. 
but this is why I'm right now I'm working on a course while the the beta group is going through my other course on laying the foundation that specifically is for studying the Bible and showing people how to study and dig deep for themselves. You know, have you ever heard the the phrase trust but verify? Right? You you trust what someone's saying, but you need to verify that it's true. For instance, I was listening to this uh, well-known man of God who passed away, and he was saying some very interesting things about prayer. And when I went to verify, do my due diligence, I'm not telling you to do something I don't do myself, I went to verify and I found out that it was very misleading, and the majority of what he was sharing contradicted what Scripture actually stated. And I was just like, wow, it was a bit shocking because this man's known for his wisdom and and what he was sharing. And so it it made me begin to question even more things. And so that's where we get the term, you know, eat the meat, spit out the bones, right? <laughs> you, you don't you don't eat a chicken bone or or a cow bone, so or pig bone or whatever you're eating. Please yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, but when we get into this, you have to see what it's saying in its context. And again, try not to get into a different topic of studying the Bible. But when you go back and you read everything that it's referring to, it's it's just amazing. It's just it's mind blowing how for so long we we believed all these different lines. So basically, it comes down to two reasons for failing. The first reason is you don't know who Christ is in you. And when we get an understanding of who Christ is in us, we get an understanding of who Christ is, period. But the devil couldn't touch him. So the evil one comes and he cannot touch me. There's no place in me. So when he he brought you into himself, when he reconciled us back to God, it says he brought us into himself. So, believe it or not, I hope you understand what I'm saying here. Believe it. Devil can't touch you. He couldn't touch Jesus. He can't touch you. And don't go into the Bible. Well, I know the Bible says that, but I mean, I believe that, but I have this experience. No, no, no. The but just kind of contradicts everything you just said. There's no but. It's it, it it's this nugget that in looking at Genesis three, the people who don't know the Word of God are easily swayed. If you don't know God's nature, if you don't know God's character, then anything that contradicts his nature and his character, you're easily swayed from. You know, like God is provider. Well you don't understand, I've been looking for a job. I, I don't I don't have a ways to or a means to get to the job. And I was talking with a dear friend and he goes, I just moved to this state and he's in another state. And I started looking for a job because I didn't have a job. 
And I went to look for a car because our car was going to break down. We knew it was on its last leg. God told us. And so they gave me a car with no down payment. And I had no job. So how am I going to pay for this car with no with no job, right? And then he needs to find a place to stay. So I ended up giving him an apartment without a job. So imagine the pressure, right? And God just kept referring to him, I've got this. I've got you. Don't don't worry about it. Just enjoy your rest and, and fellowship with your wife and and intimacy with your wife and, and with God because he would take prayer walks with God. And all of a sudden, he gets his job. He lands his job that has more than enough to, to take care of all the financial needs. And it was just amazing because he just trusted that God would provide. And it's simple. Because when you know God's nature and character, you won't be moved. You won't believe the lie. Whether you realize it or not, God constantly sets you up for success. He doesn't want you to fail. He sets you up for success. When we look at Philippians 4.19, and making a point about this for a reason, it says, My God shall supply all your needs according to the riches and glory, to his riches and glory, in Christ Jesus. That's the rest of the verse. In Christ Jesus. So you have to know who Christ is in you. As soon as you don't, if you don't know who Christ is in you, you need to investigate Christ. You need to, to look at him under a microscope, investigate his nature and his character. And don't be moved from that. Because the second reason for failure is you forget who Christ is in you. And I can tell you, I've been guilty of this one too. (laughs) I've been guilty of the first one in different areas. I've been guilty of the second one. And we were out praying for the sick. And first person was healed. Second person was healed. Third person was healed. Fourth, nothing. Fifth, nothing. Sixth person, nothing. What is wrong? Something's off. Something's not right. And I realized I was placing my confidence on my prayer. I was placing my confidence on me. And I repented immediately. I said, I can't heal any of these people. But Jesus, you can. And as soon as I laid my hands back on the sixth person, they were healed. Went back to the fourth and fifth person, they were healed. And I begin to to remember a verse that says that God, uh, no flesh will will glory in the presence of God. Not only that, but the other thing is, is when we take the place of God where we're trying to heal someone, when we're trying to to place our confidence in ourselves, it removes the job from his hands. We, We take the tools from his hands. And it's because we forget who he is in us. So number one is you don't know who Christ is in you. And number two is you forget who Christ is in you. So this is most people struggle. This is where um, most people 
experienced a failure. Actually, I would say all believers experience failure. And so if you don't know who Christ is in you, I think it's good to say you need to go back to his word and solidify some things in your own hearts, in your own minds of who he is. Because as you understand who he is, then you begin to understand that he moved into you. He abides in you. He lives in you. In keeping our fix and our gaze on Christ Jesus, this is what matters. This is what changes everything. So there's something I want to show you. Talking about Christ. Let's, let's go to to Matthew 4. I think we were there last week. We just My weeks are running together, so. <laughs> um, you can also find it in, uh, I think it's Luke chapter 4, or Mark chapter 4. Um, it's Luke chapter 4. And here's Jesus being tempted. And starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now look at how the tempter is coming and tempting Jesus. He's coming and saying, You're hungry. Because his flesh, his senses were crying out because he had been fasting. He was he was submitting his flesh. Excuse me. And when you realize what the devil's doing here, he's trying to entice him into Several things. He's challenging the identity of Jesus. Now, if you back up to the other chapter, he had just heard God say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So here comes the devil in a very subtle way saying, if you're the son of God. Jesus doesn't have to prove anything. He knows he's the son. We hear the devil's trying to get him to to prove that he's the son of God. Not only that, he's trying to get him to strengthen his flesh again. But look at Jesus' answer. He says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I was taught that he was just repeating scripture. But the more I go over this, I realize he wasn't just repeating scripture. He understood and knew the nature of God the Father so well that he knew when God the Father spoke that it was written into eternity. It could not be changed. 
So with that complete conviction, he's saying, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, he will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. So here we have it. Again, he's challenging the identity of Jesus. Not only that, he's challenging God. Because look at this. He quotes two different scriptures. The first one is from Psalms 91, 11, and 12. And the second one, I don't have a reference for um, actually, it's the, that is 11 and 12. So here he's using God's word against God while challenging the identity of the Son. And look what Jesus says. He says, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So here he, Jesus is again, Answering with complete conviction, refusing to be moved from standing on God's word. Verse 8, and again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you, I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So look at this. If we look at the parallel and we see what the devil tells him, he says, all this has been given to me. And I'll give it to you if you worship me. And he wasn't talking about singing a song, praising the devil. No, no, no. He was talking about becoming subservient to the devil. Bowing down to the devil. Surrendering to the devil. And look what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. And there's so much other so many other points I can make here. Like for instance, how come the devil didn't just push him off the pinnacle? Right? If he really wanted to kill him so bad, why didn't he do it then? Looking at First Peter, um, I can't remember the verse right off the top of my head, but it says that the devil goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So you can see the devil just can't devour anyone. He can't. And again, the example of Adam and Eve, he went after Eve because she didn't understand, she didn't know God's word completely. By her response, easy to draw that, that, that conclusion. And because she didn't know God's word, she was easily swayed. That's what I'm saying, to know his promises. 
knows his word. What does it say? I guarantee you, you don't want to get to to be before God and say, God, you didn't give me this thing. You hold back for me. Jesus say no. Scripture says, I've given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How can God the Father not give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? And there's so many other verses you can definitely quote and show that he has given us all things. Galatians chapter 4. Your co-heir with Jesus Christ. Ruler of all. See, by believing a lie, the devil keeps you subservient. He keeps you in bondage to him. You worship him by agreeing with the lie, placing yourself at the mercy and the surrender of the lie itself. And this is why truth is so powerful. This is why it says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. Because he exposes the lie. He makes you whole. He shows that that sin, that means missing, that you are no longer missing because he's brought you into himself. He's reconciled you back into himself. So you're not missing anything. This is what's amazing. This is what we've been missing. Pun intended. Is that we think we have to earn the you know, things from God. But if we go to the Acts chapter 3, look at this. In the middle of one of the, the first miracles that happen after Jesus, after the Holy Spirit comes down, after Jesus ascends into heaven, and the Holy Spirit comes, is, is the lame man, right? In verse 1, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and the lame man from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. To ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to receive alms. And Peter directly looked, he gazed at him, and he as did John, and said, Look at us. See, look, this is if you read this slowly, this destroys so much bad doctrine by itself. See, because Peter and John didn't know they were supposed to say, look at Jesus, right? Um, Not only that, but they're on their way to pray. They haven't even prayed yet. And it says, verse 5, it says, he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, if you haven't heard me teach on this, name means the character and nature of Jesus Christ. So in the character and the nature of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood 
and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. When he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in a portico called Solomon's. Solomon's porch. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, godliness, that's what piety, piety means, by our own power or godliness, we have made him walk. So here Peter's saying, Look, it's not by any of our own doing. We're not the ones who made him walk. It's not in our ability. It's not in the the nature of man. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The, what is he saying? He says, this is a God of covenant. The God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for murder to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from from the dead. We are witnesses. And by his nature and character, by trust in his nature and character has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the trust that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. One of the major lies in churches, even still today, is that you're not anointed. You see, that was an apostle who did that. That was Peter on water. How can I measure up to Peter? Peter was a man. He had to put on his clothes just like you put on your clothes. He had the same, he had flaws. Jesus openly talks about his flaws. Denied Jesus three times. In reading and humanizing, understand what I'm saying here, when you begin to realize the apostles were just men, Men filled with the Spirit of God. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Then that qualifies you. Because they're saying it's not by our own godliness. It's not anything that we've done that can make this man whole. But it's by relying and trusting in the very nature and the character of Jesus Christ. And it's him who made this man perfect to be in perfect health in the presence of you all. 
cheat? This is the secret. You want to see the sick healed? You want to see the dead raised? You want to see the lepers cleansed? You want to see demons cast? Understand who Christ is in you. That he has made you whole. He's attached you back to the source of life, to the tree of life. You've been grafted in. He abides in you. The Father abides in you. The Spirit of God abides in you. You see what I'm saying? Stop believing the lies, the excuses. Well, I don't think that is uh, relevant for today. Oh, really? It's more relevant now than ever. You know, witchcraft and Hindus and all this other stuff walking in demonic power or soul power. And you want to deny the power of God that naturally manifests through his nature and his character? Because that's what denialist means, an inherent power by virtue of a person or thing's nature. The devil has dynamis, has power, but you have authority over that power. You have a right to rule over that power. So look at this. The devil wants to bind you up and keep you in prison and keep you chasing your own tail. And a lot of us, we, we were on this hamster wheel for such a long time. God's calling us to awaken to wake up, to rise up as the sons and daughters, the kings and priests that he's called us out to be. Do you understand? And this is amazing. This is no nugget for you. Go back and read Exodus. When, when the people of Israel were coming out of Exodus, God says that he's excited. It's my words. He's excited. Because he's going to have an entire nation of priests. Yes, it says that. Fast forward to the book of Revelation. He has an entire nation of kings and priests. A royal priesthood. In Jesus Christ, after the order of Melchizedek, who is a king and a priest. Jesus and your brothers to Jesus and your co-heirs to him. So you are a king and a priest unto our God. So don't bow any longer to the lies of the devil. Don't sell yourself short anymore. Don't contradict what the Word of God says about you anymore. You're not dumb. You're not stupid. You're not invisible. You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You have the mind of Christ. You're not forgetful. God doesn't forget anything. chooses to do that. For those who repent. 
to look at this. Stop allowing the devil to bring your past before you to condemn you. Free from the weight of missing. Be free from the weight of shame and despair and depression and step into who Christ has called you to be. And that is a son. That is a daughter of the Most High God. You have a father who happens to be Almighty God. Who happens to be good. Who happens to be provided. Who happens to be a banner of righteousness. He's righteous. He's just. He's merciful. He's love. He is the great I am. And he's calling you to stop wallowing on the floor, fighting for crumbs. It's not about just surviving. No, no, no. It's time for you to sit at the master's table with a whole feast and a whole banquet, a buffet laid out before you. And you can have whatever you want. Because it's all good. It's all God. Stop believing the lie. Stop believing the main lie. You have a perfect relationship with God. All he's calling you to do is walk it out with him. Adam and Eve. Did they struggle and strive to have a relationship with God? No. They just walked with God in the cool of the day, having conversations about who knows what. But let me tell you something about Adam and Eve. They didn't have the Spirit of God abiding in them. How do I know? Because what it says in Corinthians, this is that the first Adam was a living being, a living soul. The last Adam, referring to Jesus Christ, is a life-giving spirit. God has placed you the right hand of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.6 You're at his right hand, far above all principalities and powers in in leaders and in everything that's been created. Do you see this? Ephesians 1, at the end of the chapter, it tells you exactly where Jesus is. Believing the lie. That's simple. Choose to believe Jesus Christ. Choose to believe his nature, his character, who he is. Prayer is that this is impacting you as much as it's impacting me. And 
um, it's definitely, like I said, it's it's made me reevaluate many areas of my life and, and bringing them into unity with God and, and who he is. Anything to add, Dorothy? That was good. That was good. Um, I know I can remember the the day, not the date, but the day that I realized how fully and completely Father loved me. And and when when you have that realization, it, it's quite um, something. It's something you'll remember. That's for sure. But it is all very simple. Not always easy, but very simple. Because you've got to transition yourself from trusting in the natural and trusting with your head to trusting Father who is spirit and from your heart. So it's a transition. It's a process, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, yeah, and you'll see um, one thing that God's really been bringing out is the simplicity of it. And we think, oh, I need to renew my mind, right? <laughs> and it's, yes, you do. You need to renew your mind, but it's very simple. It's not um, psychology or anything like that. It's It's just very simple. You read his word, you obey his word, and you develop that into a habit. And as you develop that into a habit, then it becomes second nature for you to be obedient to his word. I think it's very important to remember in our walk that he is the potter, we are the clay. So just let him do the work in you. You know, just be obedient to what he tells you and let him do the work he does it. Amen. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell you um, one of my my big struggles uh, recently has been um, I I like small groups because I like to know that the people I'm talking to are are getting the concepts and the ideas and they can ask questions, we can have feedback, we can go to the streets together, we can do a lot of things. And so I've I've kind of shied away from very big meetings and – And we had an invite into India to do a crusade. And that cost a lot of money (laughs) to put together. Um, And then shortly afterwards, we got an invite into Pakistan to do a crusade. In Pakistan? Yes, in Pakistan. And I'm like, okay, God. this is a I thought it was thing. illegal in Pakistan to to evangelize. Yeah, well, not not everywhere, but it's it is what it is. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, recently, about two or three weeks ago, uh, maybe a little longer than that now, uh, talking with a friend. And they want us to go and do a healing crusade in the Philippines. 
And I'm like, okay, God, there's two, three witnesses now. <laughs> there was two, now there's three witnesses. So I see where you're taking us. And now we're we're trusting God, we're believing God for for greater. Um, and I've been fighting God on this because I'm like, God, how how in the world is this even possible? Right? How how do I even make this work? And he started giving me some ideas, started uh, basically giving me a strategy. The strategy is by, you know, what birthed this whole course or this, uh, this series. He says, you start revealing the heart of man and the heart of God. You expose the lies, but you bring forth truth. To start raising an army of believers that truly believe, no, no holding back, no, no cowardice, just complete believers in me. And imagine, Dorothy, if we say, okay, we're going to be in the Philippines in, in May next year, and we take four jumbo jets full of people. And what their job is, is to be in the crowd, feathers, you know, see people healed, demons cast out of them, start discipleship groups, start churches. And they would stay there for two weeks to three months or or longer and just mentoring and training to trust in the nature of God and to trust what the Holy Spirit is teaching them. Right? Because it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us. Yes. So imagine having an army of three or four thousand people ready to disciple and train. And so God's really been um, he's dealing with many things in myself, uh, but also bringing these things to light that I believe is going to be crucial. It's going to be huge for the body of Christ because I'm not saying because basically what happens is like, yes, I'll be the, the person leading the crusade um, per se. Right. But it's Jesus being glorified and magnified. Because it gives Jesus the opportunity to, to demonstrate to all these people that he's very personal and that he sent someone to walk with them to show them the way. So there's still many things coming together. I asked a dear friend who, who works with a large ministry that does crusades all the time, and he says you can easily spend $3.14 million dollars on a mass crusade. Wow. You know, I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me write that back right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so you understand when I say that God's saying, you trust me. 
if he has called you to, if he if he has called you to do it, he will provide. We know yeah. that. Right? Yeah. So Yeah. Although in the natural it could be a little daunting. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a little daunting. Yeah, just a yeah. little. Yeah, just yeah, just a tad bit. No big deal. <laughs> but he owns all the the gold and the silver, so I'm not uh, too concerned. Uh, more making sure that I'm ready to to walk this out. That makes sense. Yep, that makes sense. So be praying for us. Uh, we we have a lot that is coming up very quickly. And I I know beyond a reasonable doubt that God's calling the body to thrive this season. That we have to start thriving because we're coming up on the end time harvest, which means mm-hmm. we need laborers, which means we need disciples, which, you know, you can follow yep. it through to the conclusion. So we have to all be ready. You know, we have to be secure in our own walk um, so that we can share it with others and disciple others and, you know, get this, get the laborers out in the field. Because I'll tell you, with everything that's going on in the natural, without a, you know, understanding of what's going on in the spiritual behind it, it's getting scary out there. Yep. To the normal, you know, natural man. So they're getting a little ripe for harvest, you know. They, okay. Yep. So maybe there is a God and, and maybe. And so they need someone to tell, yep, there sure is a God. And he is awesome and he loves you. And yep. this is all just a bunch of hooey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we're we're going to be launching a campaign that's what I was sharing with you. Uh, we're going to be selling some T-shirts, and so one's going to say "Be the Gospel" on it, and the other one I'm working on uh, that's going to be geared towards reconciliation or reconcile. And um, so, if you would like to purchase a T-shirt, um, you can. We'll we'll post that up on Facebook, and I'll let Dorothy know when it's ready, so she can help get that out to, to anyone who's interested. And yeah, yep. there's some great things coming. Great things coming, and I can tell you, I would love for y'all to join us, um, especially in any crusades that that go on. Uh, and you know, we invite people out on submission trips after we get to know them and and walk with them for a bit, and. It's we're having more and more people join us and have some ministry friends who are just like, I just need to hang out with y'all 24 <laughs> seven. Cause every time there's it's nothing but the word coming out and everybody's being edified and, and growing. And it's just, it's amazing. Yes, we do need, we do need more laborers in the field. So everybody does have to give some thought as to, their careers in the word, you know, what what is your calling? Are you called to go out on these crusades and be back up and support staff? 
in the field. Is it, what was that scripture? I know you know it. Right off the top of your head, Anthony. Where he says, the, 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 harvest, the harvest is ripe. Laborers are few. Yeah, pray to the Lord that he would cast out laborers into the harvest. Yep. Yes, yes. So, come on, everybody. Let's get laboring. Ooh, I don't like that word. I'm a woman. I'm going to figure out another word. <laughs> Sorry. Let's get going. Don't Let's bl- get going. I, I don't believe my mind went there. <laughs> but, yes. Well, we do have to get to work. That's what it is. We need to get to work, people. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, let me go ahead and uh, bless and pray for y'all. And uh, is there anything else that you wanted to mention, Dorothy, before we do that? Uh, not that I can think of. Just no, there's nothing there. Okay. So, Father, right now, in the nature and the character of Jesus Christ, we thank you for every need being met. For every knee being healed. For any sickness, any disease, for it to bow its, its knee to the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for provision. We thank you for restored relationships. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody, you have a blessed week. We'll see you in two weeks, right? Two weeks? Yes, two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. And keep Anthony lifted up in prayer. This sounds like a big one coming up. So we got to do our job, too, even if it's just praying. Thank you so much, Anthony. It was really Thank enjoyable. You. you have a blessed night. You too. Good night, everyone.